0: Ray Brown's talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com
2: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com
3: And Video Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com
1: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 840. Almost in the middle of plastic-free July. And we'll be talking about why that's important for birds and all other creatures on the planet with a special guest from an American Bird Conservancy location in Houston, Texas, on this morning's show. Here in Massachusetts, just outside our studio window, we have Carolina Wrens gray cat birds, house wrens, and northern cardinals all singing this morning. We have our window mounted microphone out there so we'll see if we pick up a few songs or calls as we uh, go along here. Meanwhile our Freya McGregor is on the road in Arizona where she has found some pretty cool birds and she's going to tell us about one of them right now in this audio postcard that she has sent to us.
3: Hey everyone it's Freya McGregor here I'm on Mount Lemon, which is just next to Tucson in southeast Arizona. And we're about halfway up this really tall mountain, finding different birds at different elevations. And there's a black-chinned sparrow calling just just near me. There it is. It's all grey. It has like a black... Not really a chin, but kind of like a mask, like a cardinal, like a black, like it's stuck its face in in coal. Um, and it's got a kind of a pink bill, which is pretty cool. Looks quite different to other sparrows. There's a few cars driving past because it's much, much cooler up here at a higher elevation than it is down in the desert, where it is baking hot and there's so many birds it's awesome okay bye
1: our Freya McGregor there with her own personal black chin sparrow there out in Mount Lemmon just north of Tucson Arizona Hey, well, here's something we're pretty excited about around here it's our Talking Birds Flock Facebook group which now has more than 300 members sharing photos and videos and thoughts and observations with one another about birds and nature and it includes some amazing stuff like flock member Deb Eccleston's real-time bird drawings in which we can watch her make a beautiful sketch of a bird and try to guess which bird she's creating as she goes through the process. Nice stuff, Deb. The flock is exclusively for Talking Birds listeners, and you can join at Facebook.com. Just put Talking Birds flock in the search bar there. <whistles> Meanwhile, we search for the identity of this mystery bird. It's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a bit later on in this morning's show. Some clues. Our mystery bird is a stocky nocturnal bird with a large head, a tiny bill, and a big mouth. It's very well camouflaged in colors of brown, black, and gray, with a white band across its throat. Our bird, which breeds mostly in the western half of the U.S. and down into Mexico, wintering in the southern part of its range, is found in grassy or shrubby areas where it feeds on night-flying insects. Clues in the sound and the prizes are as follows from Droll Yankees, the Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder. It's a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance with an eye-catching ruby red color. Irresistible to hummingbirds. And we have a very cool new bonus prize this morning. It's two rolls of feather-friendly window collision tape to prevent birds from crashing into your windows. Each roll will cover 16 square feet. It's a highly effective solution, which is why feather-friendly products are used all over the world and are endorsed by leading bird conservation organizations. So we are really thrilled to have feather-friendly joining us here and providing that uh, beautiful bonus prize. Here's a bird conservation story of the week. It concerns a story from our Freya McGregor's hometown of Melbourne, Australia, where the municipality of Knox has issued a rule that will require cats to be kept on owner's property. 24 hours a day, the city council said the curfew will help keep cats safer, reduce the impact of nuisance cats on the community, protect wildlife and the environment, and help to manage feral cats. In Australia, it's said that feral cats kill about 2 billion birds, reptiles, frogs, and mammals each year and have contributed to most of Australia's 34 mammal extinctions. Some have objected to the new rule, but the city council says feedback shows that more than 86% of people there are in favor of this. Nearly half of those are cat owners. A little royal salute music, please. It's a royal salute for the royalty of our Talking Birds listeners, uh, listening audience, and of course, that's our ambassadors, folks who uh, let us send them our little info cards that they hand out to friends and neighbors and fellow birders at their convenience and to help us get the word out about our show and about birds. And conservation. Thank you this morning to Allison W. from Hickory, North Carolina. She says, I am a mom and artist and art teacher, and my family and I love slow birding together. I discovered your podcast, and my eight year old son Watson declared we must become ambassadors. We love birds and learning, painting, and talking about them together. Thank you, Allison, and that great slow birding, really taking time to appreciate the birds that you're watching. And thank you to Andrea D. from Marion, Massachusetts. She says, I listen to the Talking Birds show every Sunday. It makes my day. I'm new to birds. I love to see and hear them. Thank you so much, Andrea, for those kind comments and for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we invite you to join the royalty of our audience, and join our ambassador's family. We'll send you those little cards to hand out. Very easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just go to the Get Involved tab at the top of our website homepage. That's the Get Involved tab right there at TalkinBirds.com. No G in talking. TalkinBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the American Bird Conservancy's Kelly Martin about July as break-free from Plastics Month and why that's so important to birds and our planet in a webinar that they're creating plus we'll catch up with mike o'connor in a let's ask mike live segment kind of about why you just might want to bring your bird feeders in for a while under certain circumstances and up next a bird that's a favorite from minnesota to monticello is today's talking birds featured feathered friend presented by bird watching magazine For more than a quarter-century birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Long before Richard Nixon was president, there was another White House resident named Dick. He lived there in the early 1800s as a friend and companion of another U.S. president, Thomas Jefferson. Dick was not a member of the cabinet, but he lived in a cabinet among a spread of roses and geraniums. Margaret Bayard Smith, whose husband was a close friend of Mr. Jefferson's, said the president cherished this feathered friend with peculiar fondness, not only for the bird's talent as a singer, but also for his uncommon intelligence and affectionate disposition. And she said, this bird was the constant companion of the president's solitary and studious hours. President Jefferson once boasted in his notes on the state of Virginia that Great Britain had nothing to compare with this avian fellow's vocal abilities. Dick's scientific name was Nemus polyglottos. Common name? Northern Mockingbird. The Northern Mockingbird is a medium-sized songbird with gray upper parts, pale gray underparts, a whitish chin and throat, large white wing patches that are clearly visible in flight and a long gray tail edged in white. Despite its name, it's relatively new to the northern tier of U.S. states, having gradually expanded its range northward over the past half century. Northern mockingbirds now breed from Maine to Northern California with population pockets well into Canada and winter in the southern part of their range and down into Mexico. Northern Mockingbirds add to their song repertoire all through their lives and may eventually learn up to 200 songs. They sing all day and into the night, and sometimes, especially during a full moon, all through the night. Nighttime singing is mostly done by males who still haven't found a mate. And if you miss the song of Mockingbirds through spring and early summer, take heart. They usually resume singing from September through early November. The Northern Mockingbird, Mimus polyglottos, a favorite of many, including the third President of the United States. Welcome again to our show, number 840. Well, Kelly Martin is the American Bird Conservancy's Texas Coastal Outreach Coordinator, and she joins us right now from Houston, Texas, here in Plastic Free July, to talk about efforts to fight plastic pollution. Good morning, Kelly. Good
2: morning. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Well, it's our pleasure indeed. Thanks for, for coming on. Let's just quickly talk about what a coastal outreach coordinator does, kind of citizen science involved?
2: Yeah, so my role is to run American Bird Conservancy's program called SPLASH, or Stopping Plastics and Litter Along Shorelines, and it's a very public-facing program. It's all about outreach and education and doing beach cleanups and collecting data at those beach cleanups so we can use that data to inform you know broader solutions for this challenge of trash pollution and plastic pollution
1: Hmm. I, I love that acronym that's that's great splash
2: <laughs> that's pretty make a splash pick up trash
1: i like it well we're kind of in the middle of plastic free july or close to it uh, kelly and um we're all being encouraged as a result to reduce the use of plastics And refuse the use of single-use plastics, and I know American Bird Conservancy, ABC, is heavily involved in this, and you're planning a a webinar on Wednesday, 14th of July, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Tell us about that webinar.
2: Yeah, so we are inviting experts from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, as well as the international nonprofit Oceana, um, who does a lot of work campaigning on this issue as well. And so we're really bringing together, you know, the bird world and the ocean world because this is an issue that really impacts our oceans and of course birds as well. And so it's going to be a really exciting webinar, lots of great information and lots of action items. People will leave the webinar with knowledge about what they can do to help this, this problem.
1: Okay, and you'll be one of the uh, one of the panelists uh, on that webinar, and we'll give some info and just how folks can uh, find that in the easiest possible way coming up here. So, Kelly, this is uh, such an enormous problem. We just hear about the millions of tons of plastic entering our marine environment every year. Is is crisis a fair word to describe what's happening?
2: Yeah, I'd say I'd say so. Um, we do have millions and millions of tons, like you said, entering the ocean every year. About eight million metric tons, which is seventeen point six billion pounds, mm. um, is entering the ocean each year. Um, so it's a it's a big issue but we are seeing some some positive changes you know Colorado just recently got that plastic bag and styrofoam container ban there's a piece of legislation being considered in congress now called the break free from plastic pollution act mm-hmm. that has some really game changing ideas in it um, so we're definitely, you know, I think people are recognizing the scale of this problem and we're starting to see the the change and the action we need.
1: Mm-hmm. I've been reading about that Colorado plastic bag ban. I guess it's gotten kind of watered down somewhat by opponents uh, in terms of smaller stores, for example, not having to uh, take part in that program. But it is another Step forward, uh, certainly there in Colorado, and I think we were talking off the air, Kelly, about you know how uh, some municipalities, for example, are not kind of being allowed to put plans like this into effect by uh, higher authorities.
2: Yeah, so unfortunately, there are many states that have preempted local governments by putting into place bans on things like bag bans. So in, in the state of Texas, for example, where I am. You unfortunately cannot uh, enact bag bans at the local level because the state, with the way the state law is written, uh, you cannot do that. So unfortunately, you know, there are some hurdles to to overcome in terms of getting these types of policies into place. Um, But I think there's a lot of energy and momentum behind this movement because I think everyone, regardless of, you know, their political beliefs or whatever it may be, can recognize that trash in our environment is, is an eyesore and a problem for human health, for wildlife health.
1: for everything i'm glad to hear you say that that, about that enthusiasm there i I sometimes get the sense that the level of awareness though about ocean plastic is really pretty small do you, you feel differently
2: i don't know i think you know at least where i work in the houston galveston region everyone we talk to is really aware of the issue Mm -hmm. um part of that is because there is so much trash in our region it's one of the trashiest regions in the country unfortunately um but i think i think there has been a lot of awareness raised through documentaries and through social media and through all these different outlets um and so i think it's it's a problem people are aware of they may not necessarily know the best way to you know tackle it to address it in their personal lives Um, and so that's where our organization comes in to try and educate people about what they can actually do to get involved and make a difference
1: Mm -hmm. so will that be something of a focus on the on the webinar
2: yeah, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, NOAA has a great citizen science project that people can get involved with, and they will be talking about that program. Um, Oceana will talk more about the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, that piece of legislation that's currently being considered in Congress. Mm-hmm. And so people can learn about that and how they can you know, reach out to their members of Congress to ask them to support it. Um, and we'll be talking about our program at ABC and, and what we're doing to address this problem and mm-hmm. how people can support that as well.
1: Sure. What do we know, by the way, about the status of, of that uh, of that bill, uh, break free from yeah, plastic? Yeah. So it's
2: bill. it was introduced in previous Congresses, so it's it's been introduced before and unfortunately did not pass. Um, so it's been reintroduced this year, and it may not pass this year. But some pieces of the bill can get picked up and put in other bills. That's often what happens in Congress: is a, a full bill is introduced, and then they sort of pick and choose different parts of it to mm-hmm. put into other bills. So it does parts of it pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe one part of it already has been included in another bill that did pass and so hopefully you know as the year goes on we'll see more parts of it get picked up and, and pushed through congress
1: all right some hopeful notes there in uh, now the seminar so wednesday july 14th 4 p.m eastern um how can folks uh, watch it we want to watch it live in anybody who can you'd also have it recorded for those who can't watch but live is better i'll be certainly doing that this uh, wednesday what's the best way for folks to find the seminar
2: Yeah, so we have posted about it on our social media pages, both Mm -hmm. the splash social media pages, which you can find the handle is splash trash TX. That TX is for Texas, of course. And then also on the American Bird Conservancy pages on Facebook and on Instagram. So we've posted about it there. You can find links to register. And if you register, obviously you can then uh, join us live. You'll also get an email afterwards with the reporting. And then later on, if you aren't able to join us, it will be eventually posted on our YouTube page, on the American Bird Conservancy YouTube page.
1: All right. And we'll put it on our social media pages here as well. We're doing our little bit here. We call it plurting, picking up litter while birding. Also, sir, involved with uh, Plastic Trash. We'll be talking about that uh, a lot more here on our show again soon. Kelly, thank you so much for being on with us. And we uh, will look forward to the seminar, certainly. And thanks for all the important work that you're doing.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and keep learning.
1: All right, we'll, we will indeed. Kelly Martin here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-Vortex, or visit VortexOptics.com. Our mystery bird contest is officially underway here. Here's the number to call if you can identify that mystery bird, or if you'd like to take a guess at it, it's 781 781- 837 Remember, no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So give it a try, even if you're not certain about the identity of our bird. 781 837 is the number. It's a stocky, nocturnal bird with a large head, a tiny bill, but a big mouth. It's very well camouflaged in colors of brown, black, and gray, with a white band across its throat. Our bird, which breeds mostly in the western half of the U.S. and down into Mexico and winters in the southern part of its range, is found in grassy or shrubby areas where it feeds on night-flying insects. And there's something really amazing about this bird that we'll talk about after our contest uh, is kind of concluded here. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Our prizes include the Droll Yankees' ruby sipper, Hummingbird feeder with that eye-catching ruby red color that hummingbirds can't resist. And our beautiful new bonus prize from our new friends at Feather Friendly. Two rolls of Feather Friendly window collision tape to prevent birds from crashing into your windows. Each roll will cover 16 square feet, so you can get some really good coverage and some really good protection. ...for birds that might otherwise uh, be injured. So, those are the prizes. Again, the number is 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. Down on Cape Cod, it's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. beauty books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology... From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor, you'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place, beautiobooks.com, B-U-T-E-O, beautiobooks.com.
3: I'm Kimberly Mutu, and I'm from Pacifica, California. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I wanted to be able to share the energy and the knowledge that is imparted. The ambassador program is really nice because you're able to share with other people and get them to see where it If is. They're not sure where to look for the program or can't remember to spell talking without a G.
2: Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family at TalkinBirds.com. Join today and thanks.
1: That's right. You got to re- remember that spelled talking without a G. Thank you, Kimberly, for that. Down to Cape Cod at Mike O'Connor at the Bird Watchers General Store for this morning's edition of Let's Ask Mike. And this is something that Mike just hates to talk about. I think this is involving possibly <clears throat> taking down bird feeders. Can that be? Uh, can that be? Can that be right? Good morning, Mike.
0: Yeah, Depressing, isn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> you could almost not speak there. I could tell. You were just. Oh, my God. You know, yeah.
0: I, my kids won't be going to college now.
1: <laughs> well, we got a note from Kim. We're not sure where Kim's located, but she says, I'm writing about the finches, house and purple, at my feeders. Three or four individuals, she says, have conjunctivitis. This happens every year. Sometimes the goldfinches become. Infected, And uh, let's see, she says, I only took one sighting of the struggling birds to change my cleaning habits of the feeder. She now cleans and sanitizes them with bleach regularly. And she wants to know, Mike, if there's anything more she can do. She said she'd rather not stop feeding altogether because so many birds are visiting. And uh, she hates to see these birds suffering. So she's calling on you, Mike.
0: Pressure's on me now, huh? It is. Pressure's okay. on. Well, first of all, the birds aren't going to suffer. The birds I always tell people the birds were doing fine. They were doing better before we got here, mm. and they're going to be doing even better when we leave. So we just put the feeders out. So it's really for us, for our own entertainment. And this uh, conjunctivitis is what we're calling it. It's a finch disease that started in the early 90s because the, the finches, house finches, were introduced species from the West Coast, and they picked up this disease, which I think spread from uh, the poultry industry and the the house finches that we know were kind of, uh, since they were introduced, they all came from the same gene pool and they're genetically inferior to their West Coast cousins, and they picked up this virus pretty rapidly and wiped out a good percentage of, maybe half, got wiped out by this, this disease, and it's not like to settle back down now. It's not as bad as it once was, but it has spread throughout the whole country now. And I always tell people, if you see a bird that's not well, just really take your feeders in. You don't have to do it forever. You just need to do it for a few days. Take them in, the birds will be fine. They totally will be fine there's plenty of food out there for them it's, it's not like it's the bullet you know it's not like a blizzard going on right now. Take your feeders then and, and, and the sick bird will either recover because they do recover from this illness, some of them and that now they have the the immunity um or they'll succumb. But either way, they w- hopefully won't pass it on because they do pass it on at feeders and bird vessels. Kind of clean that up for a little while. Now, these are finches and they're seed eaters, so sh- so Kim could put out suet for them or she had cat birds, I noticed in the emails. She could put out jelly or raisins for them. You could put out alternative foods which aren't really necessary finch foods because that'll keep them away and the other birds can eat. Or avoid the feeders and maybe for cardinals spread some sunflower seeds around the yard on the ground cardinals are ground feeders and they'll be happy to eat off the ground just kind of keep it from all congregating in one area until you don't see that bird anymore or birds and then you can put them out again just pay attention to that now there's a virus out there now that's different and they don't know anything about that now so anytime you see a sick bird Take your feeders in for a few days. The birds will move on, and then they can come back, and they'll be healthy. There you
1: go. Mm-hmm. All right. Top quality advice. And then, of course, Mike, after this, you put up even more feeders, right, and buy more <laughs> bird seed.
0: <laughs> well, that's really the key. That's You know, buy all new feeders. <laughs> Never mind cleaning them. Buy all new ones. Oh, new ones. <laughs>
1: exactly. You don't want those old, crummy old feeders. All right, Mike. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Sounds great. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds' conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com newsletter. Here we are. We're back here at the uh, mystery bird contest. You hear the bird there. A stocky nocturnal bird with a large head, tiny bill, and a big mouth. Very well camouflaged in colors of brown, black, and gray with a white band across its throat. Breeding mostly in the western half of the U.S. and down into Mexico. What is that bird? Give us a ring and tell us what you think. And uh, win those beautiful prizes from Drill Yankees and Feather Friendly at 781-837-4900. And we have Andy, who's in Ocean Bluff. Massachusetts. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? Doing, doing well, thank you. Uh, weather's pretty nice here, right? Got Mid-70s today, I think. A lot of sunshine. Yeah, kind of overcast on the coast. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll get inland, uh, Andy. That's um. <laughs> What about our mystery bird? Uh, what do you think, so, Andy?
0: Is it the common poor will?
1: Let me check my notes again here, and I see that it is the common poor will. Yes. Yay! <laughs> Nice job. That thing that I mentioned about what's so unusual about this bird is that it can slow its metabolic rate down so low in cold weather that some people say it actually hibernates. I think the, there's still uh, um, a little bit of question about that, but it's pretty fascinating. Andy, stay on the line and we'll uh, take care of stuff, okay? Hi. Thank you, Ray. Thank you so much. You all. We you all the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> right now, before we go, you may be asking yourself... Will birds and bats avoid an otherwise desirable area if it's noisy there? Find out with our Debbie's blog. It's available right now under the Read tab at our website, TalkinBirds.com. That's Debbie's blog under the Read tab at TalkinBirds.com. Next week, Latino Conservation Week will be celebrated here on the show. So we hope you'll join us then. We are out of time for this morning. TalkinBirds.com is that website. Check it out, and we'll see you next week.
0: Oh, I like that. I the... Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Oh,
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.
3: And UDO Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, beautyobooks.com.